This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Abismi and Paprika. Episode yes. three of Reagan Readers. Uh, we were just having a funny anecdote about a tentacle monster pet. And how we it died in our arms. And it was the saddest day ever. Yeah, no, we weren't. We were just trying to think of a funny way to start this. It didn't work out well. Cold open. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yes, welcome back, everybody. Our uh, we have three stories today: two from the sci-fi short sci-fi stories Reddit, and one from the Creepypasta Wikia. The first one is called Blood Bank by Stripey. And Stripey wanted me to note that this is uh, CC by NC, which means uh, it's Creative Commons, but is non-commercial. So uh, just a reminder to respect your authors and their licenses, because that's a common pitfall to have. Uh, Yeah. uh, You want to preach on your own time there? It's not not preaching. It's not preaching. Um, Don't put words in my mouth. Don't put tone in my words. You put words in your own mouth. Yeah, it's called talking. And I, I, I define those words. Okay. <laughs> what are we? Uh, okay. Yeah, this one's called Blood Bank. Blood Bank. Okay. Oh, I'm just going to start reading them. Go for it. When Carl got to the Blood Bank, he was already running an hour and 23 minutes late and feeling puffy and lightheaded. He ducked his head as he stepped through the cellar doors. Gretchen! She came out from the back room through a ribbed curtain that slithered out of her way as she passed, elbowing aside the receptionist and slamming her palms down on the bench. Carl, how can we help you today? Just a quick fluid exchange? Oh, sorry, he says, um, just a quick fluid exchange. I need it cleaned and back in my body by six. In the morning, right? One eyebrow up, looking peevish. You know I can't run a proper clean in less than two hours. You were meant to be here an hour and a half ago. Carl glanced down at the time in the right corner of his display. One hour, 24 minutes and 13 seconds, and I know... You can get my plasma back to me as clean as I need in half that time. Gretchen struck her usual unconvincing pose, hand on her hip, on her hip, an attempt at a cynical questioning look, followed by a coy smile and a bit of hair flipping. <laughs> well, that, that's a lot of, uh, <laughs> that's sass. <laughs> Flattery, my dear boy, will send you back to the back of the queue. Do not pass go, yada yada. First of all, that wasn't really flattery. That was, you can do it faster than that. That's, you know, that that's that's baiting. And secondly, that was a very long-winded way to just say, she gave a sassy look. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of like it because it does, it, it does just, it sets up that Maybelline pose you see in commercials. Maybelline? Maybe it's Maybelline. You know, um, the f- hair no. flipping, the sassy look. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> I think, okay. So, yeah. Um, so that was a lot, actually, in a couple paragraphs. We have... Some type of blood exchange where people get their blood cleaned and then return to them. Their plasma cleaned. Yeah. Okay. Specifically. What? Uh, so plasma and blood. Oh my God. Remind me how those are different. Plasma is a fluid that your blood moves in, sort of. Oh, so um, the blood cells move within plasma. Yeah. So plasma is a like a clear fluid, and blood cells make it red. Okay. And uh, white blood cells, you know, are in there too. A different blood cell. Yeah. <laughs> and there are other things in there too. I'm sure. Oh. Okay. <laughs> As usual, he waited it out. The final touch was the dramatic puffing of air, blowing a stray look of her long black hair out of her eyes. Fine, just come on through. The smell in Gretchen's studio was an overwhelming mix of hospital-grade cleaning chemicals, synthetic fungus, and cannabis smoke. <laughs> he, be- he climbed into the tongue... 
into the tongue, squirming with discomfort as its leeching tentacles made contact with all the major blood vessels. He felt a loner fluid pulsing in to replace the blood and the rush of a powerful sedative that came with it. He felt himself slipping away. Then he felt nothing. Wow. Okay. So some apparatus. Uh, I'm guessing there's some sort of... Oh, okay. Yeah. And And the powerful rush of sedatives that came with it. Okay. And then donor fluid. Interesting. Okay. We we don't know, but it's a very interesting uh, detail. Okay. Earlier that day, Carl had been surprised by a package delivered by an unusual courier. Somebody had actually managed to tie a very small note to a real pigeon. At least it looked like a real pigeon. It might have been a very convincing android pigeon. Can we can we get carrier pigeons in the future that are basically cell phones? But since it's Android, it's an Android pigeon. <laughs> and the Apple pigeon doesn't have a headphone jack. And these little logos on it somewhere. <laughs> or a hologram of a pigeon projected into his mind using psychedelic radiation weapons. Psychedelic? Whatever... Yeah, man. That acid radiation. Whatever kind of pigeon it was, the note tied to its leg with nylon shoelaces was real enough to read. <laughs> Fire sale on, on on antique 2020 era solar panels, rubber insulating grommets, copper silk extruding, extruding worms, and much, much more. Heavy discounts, light prices, today only, outside the 33rd air gap. The air gaps were the gates where artificial vacuum barriers kept the climate-controlled air of the city separate from the unpredictable natural atmosphere outside. It had been a long time since anyone had seen unstable gases actually exploding out there, but it seemed like a strange place to run a jumble sale. Carl was skeptical, but he had nothing else to do that day, and hey, a pigeon! You don't see that every day. Oh. So they're kind of, I guess they're living in arcologies? Giant dome cities, maybe? uh, No, it's just... That's what it sounds like. Like a biodome sort of thing? Yeah, exactly. No, it's just um, artificial vacuum barriers. So, um... So something that, um... Oh gosh, I, they have those sort of like um, air conditioning things that sort of keep smoke out of certain areas and stuff. Oh. Like that. That's sort of what it sounds like to me. It's just a, hmm. uh, um, a, a blast of air, just sort of to to change the um, to add a a wall in between the gases of what you breathe and what you don't want to breathe. Hmm. Okay. So. All right, I mean, I've reading. seen that sort of before, but... Minutes later. Minutes later, the transit tube had deposited him on the long, low hall of the city side... Oh, wait. On the city side of the of Air Gap 33. A line of people waited to have their suits checked before leaving the city. Most of them climbers who liked to suspend themselves from the outside of the city with thick ropes of copper silk and hang about all day, grooving on minute changes in the background radiation. Minute changes. Minute changes. Not Carl's cup of tea, but they're welcome to it. But they were welcome to it. The line was a long one, and Carl couldn't afford to wait around all day. Clean by six. That was the plan. He checked through the self-diagnostic on his suit. Everything looked fine. It had been serviced just a few weeks ago. Okay, so they're, they're, they're walking around in a toxic environment, I guess. Where things need to be purified, including people's blood. Oh. That's wait, what wait, it wait. sounds like. So, so everywhere outside is toxic. Then why is there a need for a natural barrier between... I Just multiple levels of filtration, I guess. It's not a natural barrier, but... <laughs> it's a vacuum barrier. Yeah. Maybe it's gases that eat through suits. Now please slurp into the mic more. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Your turn. Oh, um... I'm paying attention. The line was a long one, and Carl no, couldn't afford to... I just read to... that. <laughs> Cut this out. 
Cut it out. I'm Cut keeping, it all I'm keeping it in. <laughs> That's your fuck up. He looks scornfully at the climbers. They were planning to take some stupid risks, only sensible for them to be fussy about their gear. The air gap was ready to open and wouldn't be ready again for at least half an hour. Oh, whoa, okay. Let's go shopping. Okay, so hmm. the gap opens. So apparently it shuts off maybe so we've every got, so often so that people can get out. Yeah, we've got adrenaline seekers kind of playing. And yeah, this reminds me of a movie I can't really place in my... on the, It's on the tip of my tongue. Total Recall? Maybe. No. No, no, no. Just this, this idea of danger in a post-apocalyptic um, future. I don't know. I'm Any gonna... action movie that has taken over sci-fi? <sighs> Maybe. Toes behind a safety line, he waited for the force generators to power down the fields on the far side of the gap, sucking in noxious-looking blue gas with a muffled thump. The warning lights switched from red to amber to green. A few tendrils of blue crept into the hall as Carl and assorted day-trippers and travelers crossed into the gap, but the fields powered up again as soon as they were through. A giant extractor fan devoured the... Oh, and giant extractor fans devoured the outdoor gases and restored the vacuum. So, you have to wear these suits in the gaps, and then when you cross through the gaps on the other side, things are fine. So I was wrong. It's not... They're not walking around in an environment that's toxic. They are going in between good environments, and in the in-between are toxic. Okay, so... Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So... I'm completely confused, honestly. So... We'll talk about it. Let's but, finish the story. It's almost done. But if there's a vacuum... There's a vacuum in between, so they have. That's why they have to wear a suit. So why don't they just wear the suit to the vacuum? I'm, I'm they, okay. They do. Was it worth it? Asked Christian as he as he come to feeling groggy and at the same time strangely refreshed. Oh yes. A few minutes before six p.m., he alighted from the transit tubes outside a brightly lit cocktail bar and nodded nervously to the bouncers, their tongues hanging from opposite sides of their canine jaws, an unwelcome reminder of his visit to the blood bank. After stopping the two students in front of him with the guitar string hair implants and checking their bags, they sniffed Carl casually and waved him through. He found Gretchen at their usual table, producing a wrapped present from behind his back with a flourish. Um, oh, producing a wrapped present from behind his back with a flourish, he set it down in front of her and took a seat opposite. Happy birthday! His anticipation made him pushy. Well, open it. She tore off the glittery wrapping sheet. Inside was a set of antique portable solar panels, their hollowed-out cases packed with a highly, a high-quality hydroponic buds. With high-quality hydroponic buds. She smiled and did a little dance of excitement with her fists. You'd think they would have changed the law by now. I know, she said. Maybe one day. <laughs> so weed still isn't legal. <laughs> okay, that was that, that. was that. That was that was a that was an interesting experience. Sorry for all the sniffling, everybody. We're both we have bad allergies right now. So this was a uh, a day in the life. Yeah, this thing. is a, a day in the life of a kind of post-apocalyptic or just near future thing where yeah, I mean this still could it could be atmosphere. anywhere maybe they terraform Mars maybe, maybe this is another planet entirely because we're talking about all sorts of different creatures like dog people and monsters also, maybe this is the Flintstones anthropomorphic dogs as bouncers is awesome I just want to say that is awesome that's a really cool visual yeah I, I mean so it's posing the idea that we may be heading maybe Earth is heading this way or maybe a way to colonize a planet that has an kind of uninhabitable atmosphere is to have these giant air gaps to um, have 
arcologies or domed areas that have breathable oxygen and to get from one to the other you have to pass through this enormous which i still didn't vacuum. really get i mean if the because i think the i think what he the, the author is saying is even they, oh, with separate the city from unpredictable natural atmosphere outside yeah. so maybe it's just like um a you know toxic or enormously weathery or something yeah i think it's not breathable and it's fatal for people to breathe in so you wear you you don a suit and then you walk through this air gap and then the vacuums hit to get most of it out and then you and then there's other like smaller vacuums as a secondary system to eliminate any other traces then you take off your suit and you're free to go about poisonous atmosphere so this sounds like another planet i mean now why did he go to the blood bank that's, I mean, it's still not clear. Maybe maybe the outside atmosphere made his blood toxic, and that's why he needed it to be clean. Oh, maybe. Okay. Because it, it was weird that he goes to the blood bank and does that, and then passes out, and then earlier... Wait. But then it says earlier that day, he did all this. Right. So he went through the barrier, and then came back, and he needed oh, to get his blood clean. Oh, he... Okay. So he wanted to get the gift for her, but to do that, he had to go out... And go somewhere oh. to get it. And by the time he came back, he was like, crap, I need to get my blood um, cleaned out. Also, who, how many people in, I mean, I, I get that there was a cool way to, to transport messages, but even still read advertisement like that and go, Psh, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, you'd think we would be used to spam by now. Yeah, And we'd be able to pick up on pigeon it. Pigeon spam. Pigeon spam. <laughs> oh, that uh, that gives a new meaning to bird poop. By carrier pigeon. Hmm. <laughs> So. Still, I mean, it, it was a fun read. It was it paints a really interesting world. Um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, this is the kind of thing. There's just so much in it. I mean, it's true. it wouldn't it be was bad. Very dense. It wouldn't be bad to take a little more time to tell the story. I, I get that it's still just a day in the life thing, but with all the the very um, um, imaginative concepts, you know, take your time. <laughs> Did you ever read uh, a day in the life of Ivan Denisovich for high school? No. Uh, that that was a short book, but it was a novel. But that was a day in the life, and yeah, uh, I'm I, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. If you want to do this, it may not be bad to make it a little bit longer. That being said, still a fun read. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, like the imagery. Oh, wait, wait, wait! Gretchen struck her usual unconvincing pose, <laughs> hand on her hip, an attempt at a cyn- cynical questioning look. Followed Body by language. A, followed by a coy <laughs> smile and a bit of hair flipping. <laughs> It's, um, I was just going to say something and I completely spaced on it. Crap. Because I was thinking of Ursula. Oh, I, I like that it's in a possible dystopian future or just on a different planet. And it still has a very light, positive tone to it. Like, there's no doom and gloom about, oh, man, we well, can't breathe is... the atmosphere between our colleges or whatever. Well, I mean, at the same time, I mean, terrible things are going on today, but all of us have to live still, right? Yeah, I just, usually when people write about a dystopian future or a weird uh, atmosphere you have to live in, it's usually, oh, God. Everybody's being stolen from, when I'm, and I'm about to die for no apparent reason. Yeah, yeah so it, it's a nice twist. So thank you, Striper, for that. That was fun. That was fun. Moving on to the next one. It was the hardest decision. Oh, wait. Um, author's name. <laughs> author's name S. is... S. Neutrinos. S. Neutrinos, who was... Uh, I, I asked S. Neutrinos if we could read this, and they very politely obliged. So, thank you. So, This right. is, I turned my friend into the police. It was the hardest decision of my life. I knew Robert for 20 years since we met in the senior year of college. He was always kind of supportive, 
kind, kind and, and supportive. supportive. Kind of supportive. He was always kind of supportive. You know, he introduced he introduced me to my wife, but I can't let that criminal go free. Ooh. When I started discovering who Robert really was, my first response was denial. This couldn't be true. But as the evidence built up, I had no choice but to accept the facts. I thought long and hard, and I told the police about Robert, about what he was. It was six months ago that the first signs developed that something was off about my friend. I remember the incident clearly. We were gathered together in front of the Hollow Vision, and they were routing footage from the Northern Front. Hmm. The army was targeting an enemy with superconducting artillery. There were brilliant explosions of blue and yellow. After a particularly large explosion, the commentator said that the last enemy communication networks were destroyed. We all applauded in the room, except Robert. All right, so we... Dissension among the ranks. So we've got... We don't know where this is taking place, but some short time in the future because they've got superconducting <laughs> artillery. And there's a northern front. A northern front. Hmm. Yes, they're at war. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing... Well, I don't know. We don't know where this is, so I won't guess. He turned to me quietly and asks, How many civilians do you think died in that blast? I was taken aback. I hadn't seen anyone concern themselves with enemy civilians before. Well, that's a bit too close to home. As the president said, <laughs> This war is all or nothing. It's about preserving ourselves. How can you call yourself a citizen of our country if you're willing to second-guess our leaders? How can you call yourself a citizen if you sympathize with the enemy? They're all soldiers. That's what Mike Patterson said on NBN. And he's right. All the enemies are soldiers. During my month in the on the front, I saw women and children carrying DTL, DTLs. A girl, maybe 10 or 11, used one against my comrade. His muscle and sinew coated the back of the truck. DTL. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be something we can guess. But um, he's going to have to tell us that one. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> and in the other war, celebrations, and during the despised days, Robert was simply less enthusiastic than everyone else. He didn't have the energy and patriotism of a true American. American. Northern Front equals Canada. Or Antarctica. Antarctica stuff. Maybe uh, the other one, then. Canada. <laughs> The northern, the North Pole is like a small collection of small land masses. Why would we want to fight Canada? And wouldn't we just win really quickly? Canada's population is small compared to ours, and their military is nowhere right, near as advanced as cold. ours. So, so, yeah. We're we're using superconducting artillery. Okay, why are we fighting Canada? That's an interesting. One. Well, maybe we're not fighting Canada. Maybe aliens took over the Canadians. Okay, well we'll see. One day, when I was having dinner at his house and excused myself to go to the bathroom, I walked along the corridor, and when a certain something caught my eye, I stopped. It was the edge of a flag, hid behind a wooden board. I removed the vile article, and there it was. The obscenity. Obscenity is capitalized. The idol of hatred and terrorism and villainy and anti-Americanism. All right. All right. You stopped mid-paragraph. Okay. No, I didn't. Never mind. Um, it was, it, it's a felony even to own one. Five years in the reprogramming camps. Mm. I felt a sudden nauseous sensation of my stomach. This couldn't be happening. My friend isn't one of these people. He's not an enemy. But there it was, staring back at me, the ra that red and white. The clues mounted over the coming weeks. The village scrounged enough money together to send a group of us on a transport to the war memorial. 
There, next to the list of American soldiers killed, was a brilliant depiction of the triumphs, the victories, the glorious destruction of enemy cities, and the slaughter of the enemies. Robert wept at this. He wept at our victories. Ultimately, when we were standing together, I subtly plucked a hair from his arm, bagged it, and walked to the registration center. I walked past the abandoned houses and wall after wall of suburban graffiti. The last of the wealthy people had fled for the rural compounds long ago. And now the suburbs were almost entirely poor people, like myself, gang bangers and gang members and criminals. I live off the bread supplements and I haven't had a job since 2045 when the oil went away. 17 years can change a lot. I went to the registration center and they told me the truth. Robert is a fucking Canuck. The Canadian blood runs through him. I should have known as soon as I saw the maple leaf looking back at me in the darkest corridor. Robert is a fucking Canuck. All right, your turn. I turned him into the registrators. Under the Canadian-American Internment Act, he was taken away to the reprogramming camp. Hopefully his Canadian upbringing and anti-war tendencies will be reprogrammed out of him so he can enter a society as a normal, patriotic American. John saw what was best for Robert and for our country's national security. If you know a Canadian-American, don't let them escape the registrators because they're a friend. Canucks are tricky and treacherous people. Send them to an internment service to protect our country and turn them into a patriotic American. This testimony paid for by the reprogramming camp system. So this this entire story is a piece of propaganda. Yeah. Uh, so in the wow. future... Uh, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it plays on the fact that war and the motivations for war and how governments encourage citizens to go along with total war which is what this sounds like do it just by really emphasizing an enemy dehumanizing them something we've seen countless times you know they're tricky they're they can't be trusted uh they and send, don't like you they don't like your sacrifices and send, and send pictures back of uh women and children picking up arms because then it's okay to kill them yeah um d- definitely funny because it's canada and I don't think Canada's ever pissed anybody off since its inception. But very, the absurdity has a point. It is saying, look, it could happen between anybody. How many uh, fronts do we have open right now, um, America? Mm-hmm. T- tons. I'm a, I'm a and bad Merkin. I, I can't keep track. <laughs> I can, well, no one can keep track. Yeah, it's just very... I think it's an important thing to say, look, you can apply this rhetoric to any country. You can apply it to Canada of all places. Because that's exactly what it is. It's rhetoric more than anything else. Yeah. And reprogramming camps. And it's the idea that um, America itself is not very far away from turning into a scary government um, entity. A, 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 A militaristic power bent on, you know, making enemies out of anybody for any reason. As of right now, we still get pissed off. And here we are getting political. Never well, mind. okay, uh, but the, mind, but the story mind. called for it, and we're all, we're all happy people. The idea the that this started, the idea that this started because the oil ran out, as it says in the story, is interesting. But um, yeah, well, that's the last time he had a job because yeah. well, I suppose it's a little thing politicians always say, right? We need to get, uh, we need to make jobs for everyone. Oh, and we also need to help go. We need to defend get war. Yeah, we need to so defend. So that we can get oil. American interests abroad. Um, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, I hope my family doesn't hear this. <laughs> uh, gross overgeneralization, but still. Overgenerational I mean, generalizations. <laughs> oh, oh, whatever. Um, we could go deeper into the politics, but that's... No, that's not the point. The point is, look, a story where uh, it's about another pe- people and we are doing the same thing. Agreed. Agreed. Right. And is the sci-fi part of this that they're fighting Canadians? Because that's pretty out there. The sci-fi is that they're using superconducting artillery and that this is in the future. So it, it mm-hmm. it's a little light on the sci-fi, but... But that's okay. I mean... That's okay. I mean, the idea of sci-fi really... Is, I think the idea that I appreciate sci-fi for is it brings out things you don't normally think about. It me- it messes with your brain with concepts. And here we are, we're fighting Canada. <laughs> over resources which wars are always fought over resources um that's you know they're not really fought for anything else as much as people like to say oh there's religious war religions oppose each other in you know principle every minute of every day just by existing as abstract ideologies the only time they ever fight is when one feels threatened or one wants something that the other has and then religion becomes that excuse you know look at the crusades it was, oh, the Muslims took over our holy sites. Well, those are just physical places in the dirt. You know, they don't mean anything other than what their religion ascribes to them. People in Europe were not affected by that directly. You know, their homes and their livelihoods were not affected by that. But it was a principle made up. And since and then a religious war started. Flash forward to today. It is... Um, I'm getting really off topic, aren't I? Yes, you are. Okay. (laughs) Oh, hey, look, there's another story we want. (laughs) I'll stop here. Maybe we can continue that later. Yeah, no, this isn't a political, uh, and we shouldn't probably not get to. Well, I will say, I'll end on this. It does provoke discussion like this, and that's a good sci fi does that. We we went from sci fi to religion to politics and, you know, back. So I, I think that really, that's. A good well, not only pro that, of like a million people that listen to this are going to disagree with us, and, and that's your right. And you know, discuss things. You don't have to agree with us. Southern television, brilliant. Yeah. So after that incident, after that very um, somber political moment, uh, let's go to a creepy pasta. <laughs> we're fighting Canadians. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get over that. He's a fucking Canuck. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, let's... let's what's a- red and white, huh? It's not a dying what, polar bear. What's, wet, what's, what's red and white and lacking that American blue? <laughs> you damn Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to end on a creepypasta. We haven't had a lot of luck recently with them. The first one we read was all right. Happy Papa Syndrome was not very good and a little bit of a mess, but... This one was under the aliens tag. Yeah, that's, that's, so, that's the, okay, okay. Yeah. It's called Southern Television Vrillian Incident. Southern Television was the first known victim of television hijacking. On the 26th of November, 1977, at around 5.10 p.m., an alien managed to interrupt the broadcast of the local ITV station Southern Television via the Hannington transmitter. The voice overrode the UHF audio signal of the early evening news being read by the late Andrew Gardner from ITN. The interruption ceased a minute after the statement had been delivered, with the transmission returning to normal after an episode of Looney Tunes, Mary Medleys. Below is the transcript... Mary Medleys? Yeah. Mary, Below is... Mary Melodies. Oh, the... so sorry. You're right. Mary Melodies. 
Below is the transcript of what this alien had to say. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. I'm reading it. Go for it. This is the voice of Rillian, the representative of the Asta Galactic Command speaking to you. I've got to ask you a question. <laughs> okay. For <laughs> You ruined it. Okay. For many years now, you have seen us as a light in the skies. We speak to you now in peace and wisdom as we have done to your brothers and sisters all over your planet Earth. We come to warn you of the destiny of your race and your world so that you may communicate to your fellow beings the course you must take to avoid the disasters which threaten your worlds and the beings on our worlds around you. This is an order that you may share in the Great Awakening as the planet's as the planet passes into the new age of Aquarius. The new age can be a time of great peace and evolution for your race, but only if your rulers are made aware of the evil forces that can overshadow their judgments. Be still now and listen, for your chance may not come again. All your weapons of evil must be removed. The time for conflict is now past, and the race of which you are a part, may proceed to the highest stages of its evolution if you show yourselves worthy to do this. You have but a short time to learn to, to live together in peace and goodwill. Small groups all over the planet are learning this and exist to pass on the light of the dawning new age to you all. You are free to accept or reject their teachings, but only those who learn to live in peace will pass to the higher realms of spiritual evolution. Hear now the voice of Vrillian, the representative of the Asta Galactic Command, speaking to you. Be aware also that you are many, there are many false, pro God damn it. <laughs> there are many false prophets um, and guides operating on your world. They will suck your energy from you, the energy you call money, and will put it to evil ends and giving you a worthless dross. Dross. In return, dross. I've never heard that word. Giving you worthless dross in return. Kind of like a useless substance. Your inner divine self will protect you from this. You must learn to be sensitive to the voice within that can tell you what is truth and what is confusion, chaos, and untruth. Learn to listen to the voice of truth which is within you, and you will lead yourselves on the path of evolution. This is our message to you, our dear friends. We have watched you grow for many years as you two have watched our light in your skies. You know that we are here and that there are more beings on and around your earth than your scientists admit. <laughs> we are deeply concerned about you and your path towards the light and will do all we can to help you. Have no fears. Seek only to know yourselves and live in harmony with the ways of your planet earth. We of the Asta Galactic Command thank you for your attention. We are now leaving the planes of your existence. May you be blessed by the supreme love and truth of the cosmos. So, join a cult. <laughs> Space cult. Space cult. Okay, and then there is an aftermath. Oh, there is? Yeah. Oh. Later in the evening, Andrew Gardner apologized for what he described as a breakthrough in sound for some viewers. After some modern research in the in, the interruption was recorded on tape and can be seen on YouTube and other video-sharing websites. The broadcast message was considered to be a hoax by most sources, although some people still question the explanation of a transmitter hijack. You see, to this day, Rillian is still at large. And since only the UHF audio signal was hijacked, we never got to see his face. 
So, there is still the possibility that Virilian was actually an alien, and we ignored this request that we remove our weapons of evil for 38 years. Bum, bum, uh, bum, bum, bum. I mean, he's Virilian speaks. God damn it. No, yeah. Bring your screaming babies out. No one wants to enjoy their okay. Saturday morning. So the whole idea, like, of a creepypasta, right, is saying, don't take my word for it. This happened. Here you go. Here's here's my proof. It's here's it's more thing. it's more of a theory pasta, but kind of weak because it just says. Yeah, it's like a culty version of the day the earth stood still. Yeah, you know, the this message, this transcript reads like a human, you know, weird cult member saying. Peace and love and harmony is the way forward. Take out all your nuclear weapons, man. And the, you know, spiritual evolution. What? Why? I mean, why would an alien come down and be worried about our spiritual evolution? Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. But that's a very hippy-dippy thing to say. Well, no, I mean, not only that. I mean, this isn't this isn't a new concept. This is a very, like, seasoned sci-fi trope, I'd say. Um, Just a bit overused. and Yeah, and not only that, like, thinking this way in general is not um, not always good. <laughs> it's... It, you know, here's here's a new religion. Enjoy. It's pretty yeah. much what it sounds like. Not that... Um, it's, it's barely a religion. aliens, like, I'm sure a whole bunch of um, um, weird shit we never thought would be true would be true. Should we ever meet aliens? It's barely a religion, though. It doesn't have a lot of structure other than well, live in is... peace and harmony and you'll reach the next step you of spiritual that evolution. We think we saw in the alcohol cult, yeah. right? Uh, it, that, it, that, that sounds very related to this. So, I mean, this whole, like, a lot of the concepts in here are very um, sort of New Age religion yeah. um, based. And that, I, I think it's a dangerous way to think in general just because... Um, you don't know what you're, you know, I don't even know how to put it. I don't think it's re- dangerous because it doesn't really say anything. It just says, cease using weapons. Well, like, people actually think this way, though. Okay, is... but how does that hurt other people if they cease using weapons and try to live in peace and harmony? Okay, like, dangerous that is the wrong word. That doesn't then. do anything. Maybe dangerous because of, no, I, I, this is harmless and it's ineffective yeah, okay. and the, the, it ends with you know we didn't heed his word for thirty eight years. So, what exactly did they promise? A very abstract concept of spiritual evolution. You know, the, all we can infer from that yeah. is we missed out on some galactic race. But we're also planning a mission to Mars. NASA just got funded to do that. You know, like it's, it's very ineffective if it's trying to be creepy, and the sci fi portion is pretty weak as well. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, the sci-fi portion is astrology. <laughs> they, well, they literally say the new age of Aquarius. As... Yeah, which is a very, you know, we, you could argue, oh, the aliens are just using our terminology. But really, really, they're going to call it Aquarius? Yeah, that's very weak. Uh, not a good way to talk about alien transmissions. It, a good one, if anyone wants to read one, is, um, what's it called? Not broadcast interference, it's radio signals, radio transmission. I read it on a while ago, and that was a cool one because it's based loosely on a weird transmission someone noted down, and that that one does well. Yeah, look it up. I maybe I think I'll put a a link in the description if you want to read a good one. 
that isn't so hokey. This one just feels hokey. Yeah. And well, I mean, they, they, I'm just trying to think of more things to say about it. And they um, use very, I suppose, human concepts of what aliens would be like. Yeah. It feels like a human masquerading as an alien. Right. So very unconvincing. Like at some sort of... um, really uh, hokey sci-fi uh, convention somebody dresses up in a in a cheap costume and says i am the voice of Rillian. <laughs> well we are at almost 40 minutes so yeah. we should do another one. Oh. i'm just gonna have to track it down wow. let's see here boop, 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 boop. loading time this is from the creepypasta wikia i know i'm playing with fire but I could find this quickly and I don't need to ask for permission because the author does not say that it's restricted. And that doesn't always mean that it wasn't posted elsewhere and it's being posted here without permission, but uh, I don't, you know, I don't think. Somebody else has read it too. Yeah, so whatever. Oh, dude, it's long. Is it long? Well, it's long for creepypasta. Uh, Okay. I'm putting this on the internet only because I know it really happened and feel everybody needs to know. Good start. It's, it's it my, is haunting me not to... It's titled The Night I Choose to Remember, by the way. It is haunting me not so to, so... It is haunting me not to, so I'm trying to get it to get some relief. I don't care if you don't read this. Having posted it satisfies me enough that I'm, I've done my part. When I was in elementary school, I can't specifically remember when, I somehow developed nightmares. Oh, ha, uh... How do you do that? Because I've never developed a nightmare. (laughs) I had dreams often where I was abducted by aliens, and that was often enough to terrify me. Their simple appearance and apparent desire to take me from my family only added to my fear. Now that I'm a full-grown adult, however, I realized there were two very strange patterns around this that I overlooked as a child. Things only the insightful mind of an adult would have thought to notice, and the terrified whims of a restless child could easily ignore. The first thing I noticed was strange to realize and perplexes me to this day. It was the fact that I had never known about aliens before I started having the nightmares. I hadn't even seen E.T. yet, which was obviously a bit strange for my age, but it was the truth. We didn't even own the movie at the time. This is the thing that worries me even now. How could I have imagined nightmares about an idea I shouldn't have known existed? Uh, advertisement? Yeah, uh, the idea that you've never saw anything about aliens everywhere. Anywhere? Yeah, that's whatever. The second thing I can remember about those early years is perhaps the more frightening of the two, and is in fact the reason I am here. Telling everybody... Oh, the reason I am here telling this story today. My nightmares, as I mentioned, were reoccurring, but as I'm sure you've guessed, I have reason to believe they were credited to real events. That dreadful night, that horrible and awful night, I want so desperately to forget. Before I go further into that night, (laughs) I should probably briefly give you a background of myself. My name isn't necessary, and I don't think it matters what I look like. My family was starting to find its feet. I had both my parents around and and doing the best they could for two young children. I was probably seven or eight, considering my sister was able to walk at the time and is about five years younger than me. I slept in the top bunk, and I would often stay up late at night, feeling so sly my parents never caught me just staring out the curtained window, hypnotized by the glowing effect of streetlights through a thin white curtain. It was a perfect life, as I'd grown to realize, but at the time, was just... wait. What? 
It was a perfect life, as I'd grow to realize, but at the time, was just a happy kid. That's a party. I think, yeah, he's saying it wasn't a perfect light. Maybe. There's this weird type of there. Whatever. One night, though, I had the most frightening dream. I was looking out the window of a building I vaguely recognized to be a variation of my school classroom. Now I know that dreams can work like that, using places from your memory to create something familiar. Yet even if it's an imperfect recreation, you have this feeling that makes you automatically recognize where you are. For whatever strange reason, it was night, and everyone was in class like normal, lights on, so as to ward off the eerie night vibe of it all. You know... Not to see or anything in the dark. To ward off the eerie vibe of night. That said, things escalated quickly. Rather, I was dropped into the dream while things were escalating. I was running to the window, and as was everyone else. Almost immediately upon me arriving at the window, the power went out and an intense glow began emitting from outside that could not have been regular school lights. In my dream, a large spin-top-shaped flying saucer had landed in the courtyard of our school. I turned, looking slowly, slightly to my left out the window, and although it was just a dream, that in sights traumatized me all the same. I watched my dad carrying my little sister, as I mentioned, barely able to walk, as he had no doubt come to pick me up from my school and for my after-school daycare service. He saw the saucer, and although I knew I witnessed it happened, I can't remember the details of how it happened, and can only recall this happening because I... <laughs> Uh, sentence structure. Because I feel it like a sixth sense, or perhaps well, just a repressed memory. Before, Well, that's kind of fair. I mean, nobody can really explain dreams in coherent sense anyways, so... That, that's no excuse for writing a sentence with the word happening so close to itself multiple times. Mm. I only remember the overwhelming feeling of grief as I watched the doors on the alien shuttle open, and several little gray men kill my father. Really... Really? Come on, dude. Okay. This is a Disney alien story now. His parents are dead. And several little gray men kill my father as he desperately tried to defend my sister. I can't remember what happened to her. I've always assumed she was taken aboard the ship, but I suppose I don't want to know if that isn't true and a worse fate was bestowed upon her. I might have screamed in my agony because the aliens turned to look specifically at me through the window. At least I think that's why. Come to think of it, I guess not, because they burst into the room and once more specifically came for me. I don't recall what happened. He, he keeps saying that. I don't recall what happened. But here's what happened. He, We get it. Your memory's fuzzy. This is probably a dream. You don't know. You it don't have to keep happen. saying that. That's what I dreamed. That's what reoccurred in my nightmares every so often for about five years after. The first night I woke up crying. I didn't scream and didn't yell. I just cried as my mom came in hearing my pitiful sobs to, com to comfort me. I fought the nightmare for a few years, but one night it broke me again, sobbing in fear of something my body refused to let me remember. Then there was a night, and a night I cannot forget. I don't recall what happened. I don't recall what happened. <laughs> I can't forget this, though. <laughs> okay. That haunts me to this day. I was 13 and headed to, into high school soon. And I remember my family was packed up and moving the next morning. As a result, I was sleeping on the floor, and even though it was carpet, it was wholly uncomfortable to be on the ground, and it, I wasn't having an easy time getting to sleep. I, I've always been one to sleep on my side, maybe my back, but never my stomach, because it always felt like I was going to puke of my own intestines laying on it. That night I woke up uncomfortable and in an odd fashion. 
I was in the anatomical position laying on my stomach and my head facing to my left. The two things I noticed immediately wrong were was I was not where I was not snuggling my favorite stuffed animal, don't judge. Who would judge every kid? And that I was on my stomach. Uncomfortable. I tried adjusting I tried adjusting by lifting and twisting my body in the direction my head was laying. As I lifted my head into anticipation of this action, however, I s- I met a startling halt. Something extremely stubborn was above my head and pushed down on my back, pushed my head back into my pillow, in what I might add was an unusually gentle but mechanically forceful fashion. I tried to scream, but nothing came out. Hell, I don't even recall if I opened my mouth. It was like I was paralyzed but unable to do anything, but uh, perceived the room around me. Then I noticed something strange about the carpet. I could feel the carpet there, but not actually with my body. It was as though I were in a dream. My mind recognized that the carpet was there, like my mind was not be- was being told what I experienced rather than experiencing it myself. The same feeling applied to a light in the room. Although I had had a lamp in the general direction of the light, I felt it knew I I knew it was packed away with the rest of the things in my room for when I we moved the next day. With my face in the pillow and the strange sixth sense-like feeling. My thoughts suddenly rushed to the nightmare that I've mentioned was reoccurring up to that point. Before I could make any real connection, though, I suddenly was feeling relaxed and drifted to slumber in seconds. Something extremely rare to me. This He's describing a, a, a night terror. Yeah. When you wake up and you can't move, like you're yeah. half awake. And some dreams like that are night terrors how, how is really the, stick with you. And I get that, and I have them. But this doesn't really say anything about alien abduction. I had a night terror. I have I have fever dreams when I sleep on the couch and it's too warm in here, you know, to this day. That doesn't mean it's whatever. The next morning I didn't remember the events, almost as though they weren't important, so I, I let myself forget. I suddenly remembered them a few weeks later, almost without warning. I, of course, realized I should have told my parents. However, I felt the statute of limitations to bring up a silly nightmare had long passed, and I felt it was too embarrassing to bring up anyways. Honestly, I was far too spooked to ever want to think about my what may have really happened that night. I mentioned there was something you need to know in all of this, though, didn't I? Well, having this experience, this experience haunt me my entire life has given oh, grammar. Well, having this experience haunts me my entire life has given me plenty of time to contemplate. I don't even know how to read that sentence. I do. And I finally think I've connected the dots. Despite the fact that you may call me crazy, I know what was wrong that night. Every night I've left this unresolved, I have had to endure the trauma all over again, imagining the incident. When this story is finished, I know I can begin to rest as my responsibility responsibility to you will be lifted or fulfilled. fulfilled. God damn it. I went to sleep in my room and woke up someplace else, where for sure I cannot say, but I was not home. Whoever took me albeit unintentionally, made that clear by trying to make me believe I was still home using the simulation of a carpet floor. They attempted to make me believe that the light they were working on me was with my... They they attempted to make me believe that the light they were working on me with was my own lamp. It was the same trick they'd use every time they'd come for me when they'd have me believe I was staring at a glowing picture-perfect window. 
But my mind fought back that night and gave me the power to see through the haze, just like it fought to protect me from the horrors of witnessing the events of my nightmare, just like it gave me the nightmare to tell me something was wrong. You see, they say when you're exposed to a horrific or traumatic experience, your mind will recede into a happy place, something familiar, so as to survive the event unscathed. Theoretically, I guess someone could abuse that happy place with the right technology, or even telepathic powers if you want to get supernatural. To convince someone, an event never really happened. Usually our minds fight back to keep us from permanently falling into our happy place, to prevent us from becoming insane or even falling comatose. And my then getting supernatural powers to attack other people with. Yeah, happy puppet syndrome. Ah. My mind fought back that night because it knew there was something out there abusing its survival technique, triggering my place of safety so I'd never know the truth of what happens when we sleep, the truth to why we have dreams. Although I know my memories of the true events uh, to those nights won't ever come back, I know the truth of every night I chose to forget. Thanks to that one night, my mind chose to remember. And although my tale is over, I'd like to note that I never had an accident since incident. that. An incident since then. And can feel that it won't ever happen again. Probably because of that night they lost control of me. I doubt I'm a special case, though. I doubt I'm the first to report this or break this hold they have on us. The strongest... The strongest to resist it, or the best at it, or even the more frightening to face. Realistically, I doubt I'm the last. So the next time you swear to God that the last dream you had was too familiar or too real, you may want to prepare yourself, because the truth is out there, and every time I think about it, I remember just why I don't want to know it. As I said, your mind only plays these tricks, the very tricks they abuse to protect you from a traumatic experience. Uh, I'm ripping off X Files. Hold on a I actually kind of yeah, liked no, it. This sounds like an X Files episode. Well, it, nowhere in the story does he go. An alien probed me. Hey guys, I'm being attacked by aliens. He's being he's being very descriptive, and he. I had a dream about aliens. I don't know if it was right. I don't recall. But then I had this other thing I recalled. I didn't recall the detail about it though. But I know it was something I could recall. Ugh, tortuously written. Yeah, I know. God, I know. But I mean, like. As far as that goes, it's a creepypasta, right? So he's speaking, he's telling the story like um, a witness, right? They don't really, they go, yeah, um, this happened, um, that happened. I don't really remember that, but this happened. Okay, so, I mean, as far as a creepypasta goes, it's pretty, I think it does a pretty good job. Of what, though? Of, of what? Of going, ah, these nightmares are awful. I may or may not have ah. had a nightmare. Oh, I know what's happening now. He's 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 cognitive, whereas other people aren't. So he's he's a... <laughs> he's the special. He's a prophet. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever it is. Uh, I resisted it out of luck. And if you ever have... I mean, he didn't resist it. That's, he never said he resisted yeah, it. Yeah, he did. He resisted Where? it because his mind um, knew to bring him back. The last few paragraphs were talking about uh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So... I get what I get what the author's trying to do. The author is trying to say having night terrors and having familiar reoccurring dreams are could be linked to something more sinister, and that's scary. I understand that much, but and the way it's written is just so disjointed and mundane that I felt the author had to write in circles to just get to that point. I could have summed it up in two paragraphs. Yeah, so, but it's a story that wants you take a little time to tell you things. Cause... Yeah, but padding stuff for time doesn't make it good. 
I don't know. And um, some of the, the things he described, um, I think, are... Gray aliens, but I'd never seen E.T. Come on. How many people are going to say, oh, yeah, it was the Greys ever since that one theory about intergalactic traveling carbon-based life forms came out forever ago? You know, they're gray, they got big heads, and they have black eyes. Um, well, Everyone says that. I mean, the whole, like... Oh, there's a lot of comments on this one, actually. We should read some of these. Okay. First comment. Really good. I have dreams in one place at least twice, so one place has been in more than one dream. <laughs> Well, at least it says just join it as a story. <laughs> <laughs> second comment. I remember this being the second story I read on this website. And honestly, I can say it's a pretty decent story. Having a bit of nostalgia. I like this story quite a bit. Gee, thanks. Let's see if there's any other So much for Ben 10. This story really makes you think the last dream I had, I was bitten by a radioactive spider. Wait, really? <laughs> then the reply is, then you turned into Superman. Sigh. <laughs> Spider-Man. I was excited to actually find an alien abduction story, but then after reading it, it just sounds like an episode of sleep paralysis rather than the alleged stories of alien abduction. Yeah, that's what I was trying to look up. Absolutely. Sleep paralysis is um, a medical condition that people have. It's a thing. Where... um, I have it sometimes. Your your body, like, when you go to sleep, your body, um, your brain keeps you from moving in your sleep to sort of prevent sleepwalking in this sort of business yeah and um it's scary because you're awake but you can't move and you feel like you're suffocating but you know sometimes you can wake up but sometimes you're still dreaming and you think you wake up yeah right so i i mean to the odd scenario to explain away the the crazy things our minds do to themselves is aliens (laughs) yeah okay uh what else do we have cynics chris well skeptics i just think it's bad writing um, it, it, it took a cool idea, but... We're both... Wait, wait, which one's the one that doesn't believe anything? We're both Sculler. Skull. Skull. <laughs> Scully. Scully. <laughs> <sighs> I didn't like X-Files that much, by the way. <laughs> I do. I do. I love this type of creepypasta, but this one was kind of boring. It wasn't horrible, but not the best either. 4.5 out of 10. That, that's kind of where I'm at on it. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't that great. Like, it's not mind-blowing. We've all sort of been there. Yeah, I've had, I mean, I've had sleep paralysis dreams too. This concerns me considering I've had many a dream about aliens attacking, abducting, and invading. You need a hug. So, I guess it would work for some people, but... Just if you take a critical look at it, it kind of falls apart. Yeah, someone says uh, this is called sleep paralysis. Yeah, science, bitch. <laughs> Good deviation from the normal content with a sci-fi theme. Nine out of ten. Once I had fair a, enough. Once I had a dream where I was a puppy and had to rescue all these puppy spirits from puppy Darth Vader. <laughs> when I did so, I met a guy at NASCAR, which is weird because I I was four and didn't know what NASCAR was. Sure you didn't. Sure you never saw it on TV. Yeah, I mean, NASCAR commercial when you're watching Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, uh... And not a, that just... That's how I dream, and that's how I talk about my dreams, too, which We is... may have actually found the author. Uh-oh. Uh, wow, so glad people are enjoying this. Marg... Gurka. And someone says, great story, Marg. I noticed a few mistakes. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, just general criticism. So, Marg Gurka... 
Thank you for writing it. Not really my thing. I I do think it was a little bit disjointed. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's it. That's really it. Thank uh, you. But I yeah I, I like the one commenter. I do like that you deviated from the typical. There's a scary teen with a knife chasing me. Bullshit. So, and I think that you could revisit this story and clean it up, and if you want to, and make it really compelling. Just, it was hard to read. Physically hard to read. Physically hard to see. I don't honestly know if he could make it compelling, just because it's the ideas there and it's sort well, of been I, done I, to play death. around with the dreams. Link them closer. Have multiple dreams in there and all sorts of stuff. Shorten it a bit. Take out some of the repetition. Clearly state what you can and can't recall. It's it's just a little bit disjointed. But, yeah. So, uh, I think that's, yeah, that's our show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah. There will be links in the description, Ooh, as always. Another episode. Another episode. We should have a, a three-episode anniversary because it hasn't been a year i like champagne how would we su- but we've had three episodes what's special about the number three nothing but we could still have an absolutely anniversary. nothing anniversary is a year comes from anos shut up latin word for year shut up all right next week we're probably tackling a story from a good buddy axe man uh, that one's going to be a long one so that might be the only story we read but it's going to be one of the chapters so yeah thank you for tuning in hit that subscribe button if you like what we do share it around if you know anybody else that would like it so thank you very much have a good night everybody